Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 23. Thank you for your great attendance this morning. We're expecting a little bit of snow here in northwest Indiana this afternoon. I pray you'll be safe as you travel home and back tonight for the 6 o'clock service. Always, of course, I think an old preacher, Les, uh, Lee Robertson, said it takes three services to thrive. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and midweek service. I want to think it would be a great day in many Christians' lives when they never have to wonder what they do on Sunday night or midweek service, that they're in church every time the doors come open, and uh, God uses time. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more I hear God's Word, the more faith is generated. The Bible tells us that forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And I realize not everybody can. There are some limitations to church attendance. But I think all of us should be stimulated in this lifetime as we get closer and closer. We're closer now to the coming of Jesus than any generation or any people group have ever been. And he says, as you get closer to the coming of Christ, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, like some people do, as a manner of some is. But be even more faithful, exhorting one another. One of the things that, that we go to church for, you're going to hear God's word, and, and we certainly have three goals in the service. Number one, we want to exalt the person of Jesus. I did, we didn't sing His Name is Wonderful just because it's a good song in the book. We wanted to think about Jesus for a little bit. It's why we come. He's our purpose. He's our reason. He's the main character of the Bible. He's the Prince of Heaven. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but we have a hard time thinking about Him. So when we come, we want to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. That will not be done at Wrigley Field or your workplace. That is not done at Soldier Field. That's not done in downtown Chicago very often. It's not done in the public arena very often. It should be done in the house of God. Exalting the person of Jesus Christ. Hearing God's word. And then sharing God's love. And exhorting each other. One of the reasons God wanted us to assemble is not just to hear the preacher say a few words from the Bible. That could be done on a radio. It could be done in, uh, on cassette tape years ago or CDs now or YouTubes and things. You can hear God's word other places. It's one of the factors why we come together, but it's not the only factor. God says one of the reasons we come to church is to exhort one another. And the Bible says exhort one another daily that your heart not be hardened with the deceitfulness of sin. You know, when you don't get with other Christians and encourage them and they encourage you, one of the byproducts is oftentimes our heart becomes calloused. And we become used to the world. We get used to the noise of the world. We get used to accepting what the world has to offer us. And this world and its, and its attractions are very, they're very attractive to me. They're attracted to my children. They're attracted to the teenagers. The Bible tells us, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I want to challenge you to think about the faithful Christians in the world are people who are committed to God's word. They are responsive to God's spirit. When God's spirit talks to them, they listen. God may ask them to witness to someone, they just do it. God asks them to forgive someone, they forgive them. God asks them to participate or give something, they give. They ask them to, to ask to someone to forgive them, they do it. They're responsive to God's Spirit. When God speaks to them, they speak back to Him in words of confession, repentance, acknowledgement. But another thing that good Christians are, they're not only 
committed to the Word of God. They're responsive to the Spirit of God, but they're involved in the church of God. And God's church is important. It's important for all of us. I need you. You need me. And he says, I want you to come together to exhort one another and to challenge us. And you may only be one person in the world, but you're the world to one person. Someone looks at you and they see you in the service. His brother quote so mentioned, they see us singing. And they say, you know what? There's something, there's something about that person. They're really involved in the work of the Lord. That's, there's something good. They see you stand there, pale face and pooch mouth. I think, what in the world are that guy? I don't know what he's even doing here. They don't want to be here. They don't have any praise of God. And by the way, music starts in the heart and it's for the Lord. Well, I'm not singing for anybody else. Well, sing for him. How about that? It's supposed to be for him anyways from the very beginning. God wants us to be together. And I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for every single one of you who's chosen to come. And, of course, just a small, really spackling of our church is here somewhat because we have services going on all over the campus today across the street. More than 1,000 Spanish people normally gather on a Sunday morning. There are youth services in two different youth, the Chicagoland teams, the Northwest Indiana teams. We've got junior churches for children and Nurseries going on and security and medical teams, all kind of folks doing things in different places uh, on this campus and then about uh, five blocks away from here at the City Baptist campus as well. But I'm thankful for all of you that are here. I'm going to begin a series this month on music. I don't know how long that I'm going to take on. I'm going to ask the Lord to give me wisdom. You're going to hear music in every single service a little bit. We sing. And uh, there's going to be different men come up, and just like Brother Quotso did such a great job this morning helping us with that. Wasn't that a great verse? And uh, Acts chapter 16, and they, Paul and Silas, bloodied and beaten and bludgeoned from an unjust treatment in Philippi, sat in a jail cell and sang songs. And other people heard them sing. In the difficult time of their life, they sang a song. And as a result of them singing, Many people got saved in that city, and it became a great mission-supporting church in our New Testament because of a song that was sung. An amazing story, beautiful things. When you talk about music, music is probably one of the more personal things. I oftentimes will say this, and I don't know if it's absolutely accurate, but I say that Christians, if they do not get their head straight on money and music, they will struggle in their spiritual growth. I believe that. I believe that Satan is extremely... You, the Bible tells you can't serve God and mammon or finances. Materialism and the Lord will always be a fight with us. All of us have already thought about money today already. And it's just part of our nature. I've talked about it here in church with our offering. But even before that, you thought about money this morning, and I did too. It happens to us every day. Because money is very personal. Where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. But also, music is extremely personal. Most Christians believe, if I like it, God likes it, it's okay. If I like it, then it's good. You know, music is, God's music, it doesn't start that way. Music is a heart matter, and it should be for the Lord. People say, well, no, I like jazz, and I like this, and I like salsa, or I like uh, rap, or I like rock, or I like soft rock, or I like country western, I like bluegrass, I like Christian, I like CCM. And you know what the matter is? It doesn't really matter what you like. 
or what I like. But it's very, very sensitive. This morning we have a whole, whole room full of people that uh, have different preferences. And I'm only a pastor of one church. And I can't tell you exactly what you're supposed to like and what I'm supposed to like. And it's really not my job. My job is to tell you what the Bible says. And look at it from a biblical perspective and see what God says. You know, there's so many things that the Bible teaches. In our passage of Scripture this morning, Psalm 23, it was read yesterday at Brother McMahon's funeral. It may be your favorite passage of Scripture. But I want, to, I want to point out something important here. Let's go ahead and read it together. You can remain seated, but let's look at it together. I think we can read it from start to finish. Some of you won't even need your Bible, and that's fine. It's Psalm 23, and uh, it's a famous psalm. And uh, let's read it together. Can we please? The Lord is my shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Surely goodness and mercy It's an excellent verse, and if we just closed our Bible and thought about that for a few moments, we would have uh, be a much better Christian. Would you look with me in verse number three, and let's read that again, please. Just verse three. Are you ready? He restoreth my soul. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the joy to share a few words with our church family this morning and again tonight. I want to be a help. I certainly do not know all I need to know about this topic. But I do know how I should look at it, how I should consider it, what, uh, what my thought process should be as I evaluate, should I listen to that, should I play that, should I accept that or not in the area of music. I pray you please help me. I know it's so sensitive that no doubt there are lots of opinions in this room. And throughout this week, there's some folks who are trying to learn because they have just come to know Jesus in the last few weeks and months and years. And they're trying to evaluate in their, in their heart, what is it that should change in my music? There's others of us, we've been saved for a long time, but we're now drifting back into that place where we shouldn't be. We become more worldly. Even though we're saved and been forgiven of our sin. We're listening to things now that we should not listen to. You know it. We know it. But we're almost past even conviction about it. We want more worldly music when we know the truth. I pray you'd help us. I don't know exactly how you're going to help us. I want to be used of you. I'm a little bit nervous and a little bit confused on exactly what you want to accomplish through this whole thing. But I want to please you. And I pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme is the righteousness of God. When you talk about music, music is a little confusing. It's just a little hard to know. Is that acceptable or is that not acceptable? 
What's wrong with that? What is okay with that? Is that song, sometimes I've sat here, and, I, and 99% of the time I'm blessed out of my socks how wonderful a song is, and it really blesses me. Occasionally I've listened to a song that's been sung, and I thought to myself, what's wrong? What's wrong with that? It seemed like, I mean, it did say Jesus, and it did have good, uh, a good um, message, but it's just something that didn't gel with my spirit. And I'm, I mean, I've sat there and said, Lord, is there something about that? And sometimes I've gone back to Brother Aaron or Miss Colson when she was in charge. of I said, you know, I, I just think it's better we didn't have that song again. And I can't even tell you why, but something in my spirit didn't bear witness that that was the song that would be most glorifying to the Lord for this congregation. And it's a little confusing. Is it okay to listen to that song in another setting? Is it okay, just not in church, but I should do different? I think sometimes in the area of dress standards and, and holy standards of, of attire and uh, distinction and modesty and a testimony, sometimes we wonder about that. It's in the same area. It's a little bit confusing. It's controversial. It's very controversial. It's, it's, it's so opinion, such passion is there. Well, what's wrong with this? And how come we can't put the, why don't we have a praise band? And why don't we, why don't we really rock the gospel? Why is it we do things a little different here? And many churches are going that way. They're putting up the drum set, that, that core piece that goes with every rock song or jazz or whatever. You've got to have the drum set. Why can't we bring it to the church? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with the steel guitars and and, and kind of jiving, you know, kind of jiving up the the service? What's wrong with that? Some folks feel like it's just we're just way too old-fashioned with that. Even the songs that are sung, you know, I wonder why don't we do it that way? Why don't we accept that? What is wrong with that? It's controversial. It's confusing. But may I say to you, far more than that, it's crucial. Music is vital, and everyone likes it. If you can't carry a tune, you don't have a good voice. You can't sing very well. You couldn't carry a tune with a bucket and a handle on it. You still sing in the shower. You still sing in your truck. You still, you still, used, you know, when you're 13, 14, 15 years, you know the rock songs. You know those things. They get into you, and the devil is very wily. If you look in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 28, you'll find out that Satan is referred to. And the Bible tells about Satan when he was created at the beginning of God's creation. God created him with music within his beings. He had pipes within him. I love to hear this side of the orchestra. Brother Eddie will not be able to hear out of the left side of his ear when he's 70 years old. I'm sure of that because of Sunday morning, Sunday night services. He gets to hear the trumpets right there. That's why we want him to be over there. We wish we could affect his mouth, but we can get his ear for sure. But the truth of the matter is that the Bible tells us that when Satan was formed, he had formed with musical instruments within his body. And he knows music. He was the musician of heaven. He was the one who was, 
was in charge of the worship of Jehovah. And music is a part of that. 500 times in the Bible, I understand that music is mentioned, and most of that in the Old Testament. You'll probably struggle to find more than maybe 7 to 10 references to music in the New Testament. 28 books, there's very limited information about music in the New Testament. Most of it's in the Old Testament, and it's in S5. By the way, don't throw away the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us how God thinks. It, it is every part of it, from Leviticus to 1 Chronicles to, to Haggai to Malachi to Psalms. It gives you how God programmed. He tells us the law of Moses, how his rules are set up, how he began everything, the history of the Israelite people, and uh, through Joshua all the way to, to, uh, to Esther. He's the biggest book in our Bible is a song book. It's the book of Psalms, 150 songs selected by God of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of songs that have been written by God and God's people. He put 150 of them right smack in the middle of your Bible. So God's all about music. And Satan's all about it. And anything God gives as a gift, Satan loves to pervert. The perversion even of last week, and I don't have any, I don't know anything about it. I watched the last seven minutes and 17 seconds of the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs won and came back, and I saw a little bit of that, turned it off, and went to bed. But they tell me at the halftime there was a very controversial music and uh, wicked, wicked songs and wicked impulses that brought into sensual things and all of that stuff. I think even some pastors protested against the NFL this week and said that should not have happened. But, oh, you can't have a Super Bowl without music. Boy, you got you have a rodeo without music. You can't have just everything. You go to watch the, if you were to go watch the Cubs play, man, they got some of the biggest speakers. They'll blast you out of there. Go watch the White Sox. Go watch the Bulls play. Watch the Bulls lose. Boy, music's had that away. And it's just, it's, it's in our world. It permeates our world, and it, and it has a purpose. Music is a medium. It teaches us things. Matter of fact, that's the biblical reason for music. Music educates. He says teaching each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's there to educate as well. It's a real challenging thing, and it's really a touchy thing. As I said, it is, it is confusing, it's controversial, but it's crucial to all of us to understand what does the Bible... And let me tell you, that is really where it's going to matter. It's a selfish thing. And we're very selfish people. And as Americans, we're probably even more selfish than the average person. We want things the way we want them. The younger generations, even more so, it's just whatever I like, if I like it, God's bound to like it. God doesn't care what I wear. He looks on the inside. He looks on the outside too. And the world looks on the outside. Whatever I listen to, that's my business. No, it's not. Unless you don't belong to God. If you belong to God, you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your ears are not your ears. 
Your eyes are not your eyes. Your mind is not your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But we bought into this thing that if I like it, it's okay. If it, does, if it only affects me, it's okay. We think, of, well, you know, it doesn't affect anybody else. You know, everything you do, the Bible tells us very clearly in Romans chapter 14, that no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. You don't live on an island. You're not an island that only connected you. How, you. how you conduct yourself, what you wear, what you listen to. And by the way, you can usually tell someone who listens to punk rock. Do you know why? It's all over them. You can tell someone oftentimes who loves country western, their lifestyle tells it. Baby's got her blue jeans on. It, it, it's, it's through them. You can, sell some, you can tell someone who's into gothic rock. You know how? Because their whole lifestyle goes at, you know what? You can tell someone who loves Jesus. You can watch them sing in church, and you can probably say, you know what, we don't sing for each other. But it's part of the exhortation process, because music will play out in that. In, in Psalms 23 is one reference to righteousness in our Bible. There are many references to righteousness in the Bible. I think someone counted them and told me that there are 490 references. If I'm wrong, please forgive me. I'll uh, I maybe look at that myself and find out how many references there are. But the Bible says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Why? Why does he want me to live in a right life? And righteousness means something that is right in God's opinion. Not if you like it, not if I like it. We can argue till the cows come home if something's good or not good. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of, as for God, his way is perfect. God has a, he has an opinion about every matter in your life. And he's given us his opinion in his word, either in precepts, thus saith the Lord, I don't have to wonder if I should steal. I don't have to wonder, you know, I wonder if I should lie on this situation. No, because the Bible says, thou shalt not bear false witness. I don't have to wonder if I should steal. The Bible says, thou shalt steal. He's, he's given me real command. I don't have to wonder if I should commit adultery. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's really wrong, and God says it's wrong. There are other things. He doesn't tell me, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not. But other things, he gives it to us in precepts. And this area of, of music is extremely important. But the reason, God says, he goes, he'll lead me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Why does God want me to do the right thing? Listen and participate in the right music? Get rid of music that hurts him? Why? Because it's right. And eventually, it is for his name's sake. Not my likes or dislikes. Not my opinions, not your opinions. When I look at our wardrobe, when we look at our entertainment, we look at our activities, we look at our attitudes, our mouth, our actions. It's not sometimes I say, well, you know, I think I had a good reason to do that. It doesn't really matter what you think, what I think. We evaluate from what is the righteousness of God. And God leads us in the path of 
righteousness. There's a great man named Lee Robertson who said it takes three to thrive in attending church. I think it probably takes three to survive. But another quote he is known for saying, and most of you have probably heard it, everything rises and falls on leadership. And certainly I do not want to argue with Brother Lee Robertson. And I don't, I think it's a great statement. I agree with the statement. But I do think there's an element that is maybe a little different. A lot of things don't rise and fall on leadership as much as they do on followship. The Bible tells us here, he is my shepherd. I should want no other. I should need nothing if I have him. And then it says, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. So who is leading in Psalm 23? The Lord, right? Just because he's a good leader, does that make me a good follower? And one of my biggest problems is not God's leadership, it's my followership. But he wants to lead me in the path of doing the right thing. Thinking right, associating right, having the right attitude, the right actions, the right spirit. But my problem is not God, my problem is me. And his goal is that his name would be glorified. You want to just tell you real quickly, everything we do, we should measure it. Does this glorify God? And does this help anybody else? The reason you and I are still breathing air on this planet after we're saved is to bring glory to God and good to others. To honor God and to help others. But you know who we want to help the most? Moi. It's all about what I want. I don't want to be lonely. I don't want this. I like this. Who cares what anyone else thinks? I'm going to put myself out there, and I'm going to tell people what it really, really is. And, we, and, and the problem is we become extremely self-centered, self-willed, and not led by the one who loves us and whose name we carry. And so I want to say this morning, and my time is up, but here's what I want you to leave with today. And we'll talk more about this. And we're going to go through some verses tonight. I think that could be very helpful to you on the topic of music. But I want you to meditate on, on this thought. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Years ago, I have a friend of mine. His name is Troy. He's with the Lord. He was, he was injured. He was doing a demolition on a house and the house was still standing when it should have fallen. He went to look inside, and when he did, the house collapsed on him, and he passed away. But Troy was raised in a Christian church. And I remember seeing him. One day I went out, and I saw in the back of his truck there were beer cans. And he was supposed to be a good young man, supposed to be a Christian young man. The truth of the matter is he was two-timing. He was acting like he was a Christian, but he was living totally different than I remember confronting him. I said, Troy, are you, are you living for the Lord? He got out of the Christian school in his junior year because he wanted to play, basket, wanted to play football in the public school. Truth matters, he had, his deeper means was he, he was not saved, and he just felt himself very attracted to this world. But he had grown up, and he knew how to get saved, and he actually accepted the Lord as his Savior in that junior year, but he just started living, though he wasn't a Christian. One day he came to see me. He said, uh, Brother Wilkerson, the 
thing that really jarred me is I was sitting with my friend. I'm driving. He's over here in the passenger seat. He's crying. And he said, I just wish somebody would tell me what being a Christian is all about and how I could have eternal life. And I thought to myself, I know. He said, he said, well, you know, I can help you with that. I know. He said, you know? Are you a Christian, Troy? He said, when he asked me that, I felt like all the shame of the world was on me. Because there was no difference between, I, I lifted the same music, I acted the same way, I looked at the same junk, I, I acted the same way, I listened, I laughed at the same jokes, I, I drank the same beer, I was just like him. And he said, you know what, you know, Troy, are you a Christian? And he knew me for months and saw nothing different in me. And do you know how people get saved? Because of a name. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know what glorifies God when people get saved? Do you know how people get saved? When they live righteously. The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is the fruit of a right life. Your choice of music will determine someone else's opportunity to hear the gospel. Your choice of, of entertainment, your choice of doing the right thing in any area of life will either bring people to believe and receive Jesus or to reject and repel them. It's for his name's sake. But we're all concerned about what I like. Oh, I don't want to be this, this I don't want to be a, st a stick in the mud. I don't want that. Listen, it's once again, we need to say, forget all those other things. What is right? Nothing's ever settled till it's settled right. Nothing's ever settled right till it's settled right with God. He leadeth me in the paths of, for his name's sake.